and I'm joined today by Dr. Naki Day to discuss marginal zone lymphoma. Welcome, and please uh, give us a little information about yourself. Hello, everyone. Uh, thank you for having me. My name is Mayur Narkere. I'm an assistant professor at the University of Alabama in Birmingham. My clinical and research focus is on lymphoid malignancies with a special interest in endolymphomas and chronic lymphocytic leukemias. It's my pleasure to be here today talking to you about module zone lymphoma. Well, welcome and thank you. We appreciate your time and expertise. We're going to jump right into our questions for today. Uh, our first question, um, what is marginal zone lymphoma and how common is it? Right, so uh, marginal zone lymphoma is a cancer of the immune system, mainly the B lymphocytes, which are part of your white blood cells. It's a type of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, so it comes under that category. And there are three main types of marginal zone lymphoma, externodal marginal zone lymphoma, nodal marginal zone lymphoma, and splenic marginal zone lymphoma. These three subtypes basically depend upon where the look, where it's diagnosed and where else the cancer is. If it's mainly diagnosed in the lymph nodes, it's called nodal marginal zone lymphoma. If there is associated enlarged spleen, then it's splenic marginal zone lymphoma. And all of the other cases are referred to as extranodal marginal zone lymphoma. In terms of how common it is, about 8,000 cases of marginal zone are diagnosed in the United States every year. We usually consider this as an uncommon type of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. It's an indolent or slow-growing lymphoma and often incurable with multiple courses of remissions and recurrences occurring over one's lifetime. Okay, thank you. Um, so what, what type of symptoms do patients with marginal zone lymphoma have? The, the symptoms of marginal zone lymphoma mainly depend upon where we initially diagnose it. So for the common types of extranodal lymphoma sites, mainly include the eye, stomach, or gastric region, or the skin. So if it's detected in the eye, it usually presents with symptoms of protruding of your eyes, one side greater than the other, blurry vision, or inability to close one's eye. If it's in the gastric or the stomach region, usually presents with symptoms of heartburn, acid reflux, gastritis, stomach pain, and nausea. Or if it's on the surface of your skin, it can present as the skin rash or nodules, which are getting bigger in size over a period of time. These are external marginal zone lymphoma presentations. The other category is basically nodal marginal zone lymphoma. This, the symptoms of this are more vague and diffuse. One might experience symptoms of night sweats, which are drenching, weight loss more than 10% of the body weight over the last six months, or fevers. We call these B symptoms. In addition to this, one might notice lumps in the neck, armpit, or groin. These are lymph nodes that are enlarged. And then lastly, the splenic marginal zone lymphomas present as pain or early satiety or needing to have frequent meals. Uh, the, or sometimes people do notice hard lumps on the left side of their body. However, majority of these 
lymphomas, marginal zone lymphomas, are accidentally diagnosed. A routine evaluation might lead to a diagnosis of marginal zone lymphoma for a totally unrelated reason. Got it. Okay. So if a patient has these symptoms or uh, their doctor notices, you know, a symptom upon exam for something else, how do they then go about diagnosing marginal zone lymphoma? Right. So um, when, if you're, if and when your doctor is suspicious or concerned about a lymphoma per se, the first step is to get a biopsy or tissue sample to see what really is causing the enlargement of a lymph node or causing some abnormalities. Now, these tissue slides or lymph node biopsies or other biopsies have to be looked under a microscope by an experienced pathologist. The pathologist uses special stains to see if there are mainly two things in the biopsy. First, if there are lymphocytes present, which is what the cancer mainly is, and if the lymphocytes are clonal, meaning they are the same type of cancers. If these criteria are met, then a diagnosis of lymphoma can be made, but to diagnose it, marginal zone lymphoma, additional specialized stains are to be done by the... Got it. Okay. Um, and then, you know, if someone is diagnosed with uh, marginal zone lymphoma, what is the standard of care for those patients? The the standard of care is kind of very variable depending upon the location at the stage of the lymphoma. Uh, one of the biggest factors we need to consider is, I mentioned initially, it's, it's indolent, it's incurable, meaning this can stay dormant for many years before it causes any trouble. So we don't start treatment or consider treatment unless it's causing any distress or trouble to the patient. Um, if it is causing local symptoms like pressure, pain, discomfort, or maybe systemic symptoms like the, the drenching night sweats, the fevers, the weight loss that I described, uh, then that could be an indication of treatment Another indication of treatment could be if the lymphoma is causing involvement of the bone marrow and that's causing low white blood cells, hemoglobin, or platelets. That's another reason to consider treatment. Now, to talk about the standard of care, it depends upon where, again, the stage of the disease. For extranodal disease, if, for example, if it's only in the stomach, we call this gastric marginal zone lymphoma, and there are no other sites, if it is associated with a bacteria called Helicobacter pylori, then the treatment basically is antibiotics for 12 weeks, and that should be sufficient for getting the lymphoma under remission. However, if there is no bacteria associated, and it's still only in one isolated spot, such as the eye or the stomach, uh, radiation is an option to those sites. Uh, surgery, such as taking removal of the stomach, which can be uh, pretty intensive at times, but that's another option. And lastly, if it's spread throughout your body, then systemic treatment, such as chemoimmunotherapy, is a preferable choice. Okay. Um, are there 
types of targeted therapies for marginal zone lymphoma and what are they? Sure. So um, the progress in marginal zone lymphoma has been very slow. The last, the last biggest change to the chemoimmunotherapy combination was the introduction of rituximab, and that's probably in the year 2000. Um, so rituximab was added to chemotherapy, and that was the biggest change to the therapy. However, in the last one decade, we've understood the mechanism or the pathophysiology of this cancer. We've understood that most of the lymphomas have a receptor on their surface called B-cell receptors, and these B-cell receptors drive uh, B-cell receptor signaling, which leads to cancer. So most of the targeted therapies are targeted to this B-cell receptor signaling. One of the most very first drug that was approved by the FDA was called Imbruvicar or Ibruptinib, and uh, we still use that today. It's, it's a very promising drug. Um, there are other groups of drugs called PI3 kinase inhibitors uh, that's, that's been developed. And there are a few drugs that are available to use in the market, but uh, there are very few uh, adopters of that. And then the third type of targeted therapy is an immunomodulated drug called lenalidomide or Revlimid, which basically alters the immune system to arrest the growth of the lymphomas. However, these targeted therapies are indefinite or lifelong, which means they are to be taken as long as the treatment works with acceptable side effects. Got it. Okay. Um, and are there clinical trials available for marginal zone lymphoma? Yes. So um, with the realization and understanding that B-cell receptor signaling is crucial, for the pathogenesis or development of the lymphoma, there are many clinical trials um, being conducted uh, for marginal zone lymphoma. As as I said, it's it's an indolent lymphoma, so you require multiple lines of treatments throughout your lifespan if you have this disease. So there comes a point where your doc might think we've used a lot of options so far and none really works, then clinical trials work better. Currently, uh, there are the, the clinical trials are looking at next-generation monoclonal antibodies, which are targeting a different receptor other than the rituximab, or a next-generation uh, B-cell receptor inhibitor, uh, which is similar to embryoic, but with, lesser, with fewer side effects. And... The other area of interest basically is developing these genetically modified immune cells called T cells or CAR and K cells to treat the lymphoma and to get a longer remission. Okay, interesting. Um, and so I know you mentioned that uh, the most recent medication was from 2000. So uh, we know with clinical trials that it takes a very long time, you know, for medications to go through clinical trials and be available um, once that trial is complete. So, you know, how important is it for patients to enroll into clinical trials? And, you know, are there, uh, is the participation low at this point, would you say, for marginal zone lymphoma? Sure. Um, so the last 
biggest advancement was Imbruica, which is 2013. So it's been about, okay. it's a hard time for a new drug to come out. Yeah. So the, the biggest challenge with the marginal zone lymphoma is the, it's a diagnosis of the older age group. What I mean by that is the median age of diagnosis is around 66 years. Uh, when you go through, when you're diagnosed at, say, 66 and you go through multiple lines of chemotherapy, it might be about 5 or 10 or 20 years before you reach a point where uh, your doctor decides, well, we need to think about something else. And by that time, you're probably in your late 70s or 80s. Yeah. Uh, my, you're, you might have experienced a lot of uh, damage per se to the bone marrow from chemotherapy or other toxicities from the cancer itself, lung damage or liver or kidney. These things make it difficult to be enrolled on clinical trials um, because most of the clinical trials have a strict enrollment criteria as you need to be fit, you need to have good functional status. Um, so therefore, it's been very difficult to accrue to clinical trials for marginal zone lymphoma. It being not a common disease also doesn't help. Right. However, we've tried to encourage um, patients and well as, as well as other providers to send their patients early on because we can use an experimental drug with lesser side effects sooner versus an aggressive or more intense chemotherapy later on. That's great. That's good to know. So, you know, patients out there, should they be asking their doctors about clinical trials when they're first diagnosed? For, yes. So clinical trials, as I mentioned, I mean, um, when when you get diagnosed initially with marginal zone, if your doctor makes a decision to start treatment, um, we need to keep thinking about what's next because all of the therapies that's going to we started is not going to cure the cancer. It's going to get into remission. Okay. So, if you if you get diagnosed with marginal zone lymphoma, you there should be a discussion with your doctor. If there's any clinical trials options available, these newer therapies or newer clinical trial options might add on to an existing treatment. So, it doesn't mean you will be getting a placebo. It might mean you're getting a better treatment option with lesser side effects than what's currently available. So earlier engagement with your doctor is essential. Great. Yep, that's good to know. Um, okay, it looks like we have uh, a question from one of our, our viewers here. It says, uh, can you please talk about diagnosis and treatment for extranodal zone lymphoma in the parotid gland? Is surgery, surgery recommended? As for other parotid tumors or radiation versus chemo, et cetera. Right. So the diagnosis of extranodal marginal zone lymphoma in the parotid gland is tricky because the parotid gland itself could be cancer. So making that distinction early on is essential. Many a times when I get this referrals, uh, the parotid gland's already taken out because the doctor is really concerned about a parotid gland cancer, which can be a little bit more aggressive. So if that's not the case and you the parotid gland is still intact and it was a minor excision, um, my preference is to consider local therapy before considering systemic therapy if there are no other sites of involvement. So radiation is a perfect option for such conditions. However, one must remember when you radiate 
any organ that's lymphomatous or where the lymphoma is diagnosed, you can have long-term side effects from that radiation. In this situation, you will lose the function of your parotid gland, which makes your saliva, so dry mouth is common, dental caries are common, things like that. Got it. Okay. So I think that's um, all we have for today. And I want to, again, thank you uh, for your time. And we appreciate you sharing this information. It's very important to us and, you know, our viewers. And this uh, event will be available on our website um, after today. So, um, oh, I think we have one more question that just popped up. Um, it says, uh, I did not hear you mention bendamustine. I hear about a lot of people on the BNR regimen. Yes. So when I mentioned chemoimmunotherapy, the chemo component is the bendamustine. Uh, that is the bendamustine and rituximab is the most common regimen. Uh, the reason we I didn't mention chemo because there are other options out there which would be um, the Tatsumab with a combination regimen called CVP, um, or there might be, your doctor might even consider more aggressive chemo like R-CHA. So Bendamustine Rituximab is the chemoimmunotherapy of choice if you have a systemic disease at home. Got it. Okay. And a uh, couple more here. I have uh, one of them. I have extra nodal marginal uh, zone lymphoma. Four years, three rounds of BNR last January, 2020. Ongoing debilitating nausea. No doctor knows why. Uh, very tricky. Um, so it's been seems like it's been four years uh, from the question with persistent nausea. Um, without knowing much details about what investigations being done by your doctor, common. The thing that comes out comes into my mind is maybe evaluation of your stomach by an upper gastroenterologist, by an upper endoscopy to see if there is gastric involvement of your marginal zone lymphoma. That's that's a recurrence. Chemotherapy causing nausea for so long. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. It's relatively uncommon. I would be looking for other causes of your nausea. Okay. Good to know. Thank you. Um, and then uh, what about marginal zone lymphoma in the lung? Even more rare question. You know, that's the question. Is it more rare? Yes. Yeah, so marginal zone lymphoma in the lung, uh, I, I think, deserves a separate category. It's extremely challenging to manage. Uh, most of the times they are notoriously small but cause a lot of problems. Um the, the management depends upon what exactly is causing the issues. Uh, they are known to secrete a special kind of protein called IgM. There's a strong association. That paraprotein or protein causes a lot of trouble. So uh, measuring the IgM is important. Radi again, radiation still, if it's just one spot or two spots, radiation would be better. 